Hello, I'm James Chow, host of The China Current, where we bring you up close to the people who are shaping our shared global future. It's a great pleasure to be speaking with you again. And I know that you're probably looking at the podcast title and thinking how bold it is. Trump calls Carter. We heard it first, but I can actually back it up. So let's dive straight into that story. The story being that Donald Trump called Jimmy Carter to ask him about how he can move forward on the trade negotiations with China. But the reason why I say that we heard it first is because we did. Back in January, I was over at the Carter Center with my colleagues. I did an interview with Jimmy Carter and I sat down and asked him almost the same question. I said to him, has the best already happened for the US-China relationship? And also, how would he suggest on a great way to move things forward from the current stalemate? Now, you'll note that I didn't say to him, what would you say to Mr. Trump? Because I think that's a presumptuous question to ask. I put it in a more general way, and he took it in his own direction. This is what he said. I think the best approach uh, is to do what I had to do when I was president, and we had a very antagonistic relationship with Japan. We had recently been at war with Japan, as you know, and, uh, and we had uh, much of our industry in America was moving toward Japan. Not only the manufacturing of uh, clothing, shoes and shirts and things of that kind, but also automobiles and television sets and things like that was moving from American manufacturers to Japanese manufacturers. And they were selling it back to us at, at, at reasonable prices, but uh, to both to the advantage of Japan. So we had a lot of Americans who despised Japan still left over from the war. And so we, we formed a relationship where, with the Prime Minister of Japan and I appointed three what we call wise men or distinguished statesmen on each side. And those six people would meet in Tokyo and in Hawaii and in Washington in a very quiet way. We never gave them any publicity. And they would advise me and the Prime Minister of Japan, whoever it was, on the best ways to overcome differences that were inevitably going to arise. I would like to see something like that happen now with, between the United States and China. Uh, and just have you know, three distinguished people on both sides uh, who had a, a great interest in, in the preservation of peace and harmony to meet privately and to give their advice directed to the leaders of both, of both countries. So I'm, I'm going to write a letter to, uh, to President Trump and, and advise him to establish such a relationship. So you would have heard at the end of the clip there that President Carter said he would write Donald Trump a letter outlining what he described to me, which was this wise panel. But at the time, funnily enough, I didn't really think too much about it. And it wasn't until a couple of hours later when one of my colleagues called me and said, did you hear what he said about this uh, panel of wise men and women? Did you hear what he said? That it really made me stop and think, wow, that really was important. So let's see what happened. Will there be any concrete follow-up? Will we see a grouping of trusted figures who help guide the two leaders, Donald Trump and Xi Jinping, on a way moving forward. Now, this was the other story that caught my eye. The FBI, says in New York Times, is barring some Chinese scholars from visiting the United States over spying fears. Now, it just so happened that at the same time, I was sitting down with Wang Tisi, who is a distinguished fellow 
at the Asia Societies, held other fellowships and professorships at Oxford, at UC Berkeley, at the University of Michigan, at Claremont, and also was a global scholar at Princeton University, where he was in residence for nine months in the early 2010s. Um, he's also at Peking University. That's the role for which he is best known as president of the Institute of International and Strategic Studies, and he's a hugely respected figure. I really wanted to um, get a gauge on how he felt as a person and what this meant to him. When I heard about the story, actually I didn't hear it simply from the press. I got to know that quite a few months ago. Uh, so I feel very sad about all of this. And I think it is quite unfortunate uh, that the FBI is harass uh, harassing some Chinese scholars. Uh, personally, I have not been affected, but when I travel to the United States, people ask, do you have a visa problem? Are you going to be uh, interviewed by the FBI or are you going to, be going to uh, is your visa going to be canceled? This is a tough question because uh, some of my uh, fellow uh, students and, and some of my colleagues have been uh, in this situation. The, you know, the people in China are actually friendly to the United States. And China as a, as a nation state, I don't think it is a strategic threat to the United States. And just to be fair, there are plenty of people who would say that the Chinese government have not extended visas to American academics, and particularly we've known this to be in the case in the past to American journalists who they're not happy with. We'll speak to you again. I'm James Chow with The China Current. Thank you very, very much for listening.